Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 51 of Casting the Net with Father Dave and Rick. Today's episode is part one of two on Pentecost, and they talk about the imagery illustrated in Pentecost. They also talk about the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Really great explanation. And they even explain Christianity in a nutshell. The essence of Christianity is the reproduction of Jesus in our souls. So we hope you guys enjoy episode 51, Casting the Net. Hi, I'm Father Dave Nuss, together with Father of Four, Rick Lingva. Welcome to Casting the Net. We are in search for catching the faith. Hey friends, we're back at it. And if you were meaning to connect with Father Dave and Rick, you made the right connection <laughs> because this is this is what's going on. You're in the right place. Casting <laughs> the Net. Uh Rick, in, in our part in Northwest Ohio, weather's getting better. And I imagine you're getting some time outside with the family. Yeah, my step count is definitely up these days. <laughs> I check my phone and uh, it's, it's, you know, it's bursting through the roof. What uh, about the knee count? I imagine you're uh, down on your knees picking yeah, a few kids up yeah. here or there. That and weeding gardens and all kinds of good stuff. But it's, it's all fun. What is yeah. it called? Weeding, we yeah we yeah weeding mowing grass weeding, what, what weeding garden what is that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Friends, you cannot see the look on his face that was just cast I, across the table, like, but it was not peace, love, and joy. No, no, there, there are no uh, no fruits of the spirit issuing from me at the moment. No, right. <laughs> Whoa, that was how's that for a segue? That was an Arctic chill that just came blowing through. <laughs> The studio here, the studio that is our kitchen. That's right. <laughs> Friends, we're so glad that you joined us. And we are, I mean, we're continuing our way through the Easter season. And for us as Christians, the season culminates with the, with the great feast of Pentecost, which is a promise that our Lord makes, a promise that he makes repeatedly. And it's a it's a bewildering promise perplexing promise for sure hard to understand how to the apostles and to the disciples the wider community of friends mm. how his departure after defeating death and resurrection mm. how his departure is somehow going to be in their best interest going to be better right. for them right yeah yeah and yet it enables it enables the mission to be carried out principally by the church herself. Hmm. Yeah, right? it's, th it's thought of as, as the birthday of the church, right? The birthday of the church, yeah. right? In one sense, I mean, sure. we could we could argue um, extensively. Yeah. There are lots of birthdays. <laughs> about of the church, when the but, church yeah. actually was birthed, right? Yeah. But I would say in a popular way, we, hmm? we, we mark Herald Pentecost as the, as the beginning of the church, the birth of the church. Yeah. Certainly not wrong to think of it that way. No. And I, you know, I've even, I've wondered, we don't have a lot of detail in scripture, but those 10 days uh, in between the Ascension and Pentecost. Um, so our Lord spends 40 days really with a tutorial instruction, mentoring uh, with the apostles to really ready them for mission, eventually says to them that they will receive power. Hmm. Promises. One of the many promises, he's already promised the Holy Spirit at the Last Supper. Mm -hmm. Then again, in this, in this uh, interlude, 
of sorts yeah. uh, right before the ascension. Our Lord says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Yeah. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what kind of power is this? Well, um, or, or what is, or even what does it mean to say, what, what, what is, what are you talking about when you say Holy Spirit? I'm sure they don't have a particularly well right. re- refined idea of what, what they're, what it is they're going to be receiving. Right. It's bewildering. It's bewildering. It's perplexing. It's puzzling. And w- we really, w- we really don't know a lot of what happens in between. Um, we do have. Judas replaced in between, mm. which is interesting because Jesus himself doesn't give that instruction to do that, right. but rather they discern, which means they prayerfully consider and prayerfully discuss and mm-hmm. prayerfully debate. Prayerfully is entrusting everything to the provident goodness of God. And Judas is replaced. Twelve is established at that point in time as what we would call today as bishops. Mm-hmm. And it leads us all. It leads us eventually to the to the day of Pentecost, to the gathering of the church, mm-hmm. when what Jesus had promised would happen is fulfilled. Yeah, some wonderful imagery used in the story of Pentecost as well. You know, the imagery of wind, which has a really interesting lineage throughout Scripture, uh, tongues of fire, um, and all of it is, is helpful as we as we. I mean, it's it's not. I think for a lot of us. It's not just confusing for the disciples back then. It's 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 puzzling for us now. Sure, you know. Um, I recall there was a Dominican <clears throat> who lived in community at uh, where I where I did my graduate studies. Uh, he's a cooperator brother. He was never ordained a priest, um, so he took the the vows of religious life. He lived in community with the Dominicans, but uh, couldn't you know um, couldn't. Uh, minister the sacraments in the way that an ordained priest can. But he, mm. he spent a good amount of his life in, um, in missionary, doing missionary work in, in Central Asia, which, which fascinated me to no end. But I recall him telling me once, um, recounting a story where he was, he was speaking to some villagers who said, who said, Brother, God the Father we understand, God the Son we understand, God the Bird we do not understand. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, yeah, we, we sort of... We, talked about this i don't remember which episode but you know the the imagery of the dove i mean that doesn't mean that the holy spirit is incarnate in the form of a dove it's sort of a sacramental you know symbolism yes indicating that he is present but um you know conceptual linguistic confusions aside it is difficult for us to grasp exactly what what are we supposed to do with the spirit what what is it right um what's it mean for us today yeah and the construction at jesus's baptism is a simile Hmm. it's like a dove right so symbolic, as you mentioned, and also symbolic of the great story of the flood yep. and the new creation that God yeah. um, makes possible for yeah. humanity. So too is baptism a new creation. So too is the church a new creation. Mm-hmm. One of these creative elements that are part and parcel of the Pentecost description, you know, mm-hmm. natural elements, fire, right. wind, you mentioned. Yeah. And with that, that's that's really... I, I'm thinking how artists, and I think we've discussed this before, but artists have a significant influence in our understanding. And an artist is an interpreter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not unlike a biblical commentator is an interpreter mm. of the text. And so artists in some famous works of art as well. Um, many of us have seen 
a very traditional depiction of Pentecost and lo and behold, right, tongues of fire. So mm. these 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 flames uh, over the over the heads, the heads right, right? Yeah. of all of the apostles. There would have been more than the apostles. Mary would have been present at Pentecost. So mm-hmm. so that alone, right, is interpretive of just kind of zeroing in on the apostles in that mm-hmm. in that depiction, and how the Holy Spirit is depicted as a as a dove. Perhaps an oversized dove, <laughs> <You know? laughs> really large, bird. a really large bird. You know, <laughs> and we we see those images, and as a child, maybe we we come across that. Maybe our parents even um, use that illustration to to help us begin to conceive yeah. who this Holy Spirit is. And if we if we don't go beyond that, then it's it's comical or ridiculous <laughs> or ridiculous right, right? yeah which yeah. the opponent is hoping we we land yeah we don't in yeah. the land of ridiculous because then we jettison the faith altogether mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the spirit is certainly something we cannot jettison because he's he's the person of love like when we're talking yes. about the uh, the theological virtues that we're infused with faith hope and love um to be infused with the virtue of love is simply to possess the Holy Spirit, which is yeah. a rather astounding claim to make. Yes. That we that we can be possessors of God. Um, in a sense, we, we are called to that. Um, any form of love, mm. <clears throat> love of friendship, you know, at least in the Catholic tradition, um, and in particular Thomas Aquinas, we we talk about when you when you love something, the object of your love is reproduced inside you, it leaves an imprint on you, you know. And that that cashes out in a couple of interesting ways. One, that that's the reason why the church says that we should learn to love well and wisely, because if you love something that's that's ennoble or beneath you, it has the, the capacity to drag you down. Hmm. Two, it also explains why disruptions in the love of friendship can be painful. You know, whether it's a breakup with a boyfriend or a girlfriend yeah. or, you know, God forbid, a, a spouse, spousal separation or friends moving away or dying. Sure. It's because that um, that person, the object of your affection, um, is inside of you in a mysterious way. Yeah. Now, that's infinitely more true of the Holy Spirit because he isn't a material thing. He's, he's, he's immaterial. And so yes. he can actually dwell in you in a way that, as St. Augustine says, is more interior to you than you are yourself. <laughs> But so, I mean, so he's inviting, God is inviting us to possess him and, and to make use of him in a way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's giving himself to us in this way so that, I mean, so that we can do things that glorify him. We can, we could perform acts that glorify him, um, but also so that we can make ourselves happy in an authentic, genuine way. Yeah. Back to that description in Acts chapter one, that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, which means that we receive, the, the Holy Spirit presents himself and not but and we receive him we receive him we welcome him mm-hmm. we 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 permit yeah. i mean love permits uh, love doesn't impose it permits come almost holy spirit dwell mm-hmm. within me dwell within us come into my relationship come into my family come into my home come into my life yeah that holy spirit brings with him a power mm-hmm. a power a word that in the ancient text is the same root word from which dynamite mm-hmm. is found. This is this is explosive power. This is transformational right. power. That's right. This is not a warm, fuzzy sentiment, a romantic moment. We that's a that's another mm-hmm. 
if you will, I, I think ridiculous temptation that Satan puts before us of the Holy Spirit as a teddy bear. Mm-hmm. And how in the world would I would I worship such a ridiculous right. thing, right? Yeah. So then I jettison belief altogether. Yeah. And that's temptation. No, there's a power that the Holy Spirit brings that is beyond capacity to imagine. And, you know, what is that power? Well, that power... It's not to leap tall buildings at a single bound. It's it's not to walk through walls. It, Jesus explains that that power equips us to be his witnesses, mm-hmm. to be his witnesses, mm-hmm. so that your life and my life, your words and my words, your actions and my actions, by means of the Holy Spirit activated within us, mm-hmm. it moves us to display more of Christ and less of Dave and Rick. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. No, I mean, if, if someone were to ask me, like if I was, if I was doing, you know, Christianity in a nutshell to someone who had no familiarity whatsoever with the faith, I would say the essence of Christianity, um, is the reproduction of Jesus in our souls. Right. Mm. Um, and the, the perfection of that process would be our souls simply being turned into other Christ's. Mm. And the transform, like the the path, the journey that the Christian takes is getting from point alpha to point omega, point mm. A, you know, the beginning to the end. And as you said, you know, when we think about, okay, well, how how does that how is that change affected? How is that transformation affected? God has this is in His wisdom, so that we can we can see the beauty of it and the uh, the profundity of it. In His wisdom, there's always a unity to His actions. So we ask, okay, well, how how does that transformation in us happen? It's the same way that Christ comes and dwells among us yeah. to begin with, the, whole, right. the Holy Spirit. That's you know, right. It's, it's the same utensil or the same tool, which is a divine person himself. Yeah. That God chooses to commune with us, to dwell with us, to tabernacle within us mm-hmm. in such a splendid and um, astonishing way. This Holy Spirit in the creed is affirmed as being Lord and giver of life. Right. And I find in my own life it to be very helpful to call upon the Holy Spirit. I, I didn't pray this way in younger years. And hmm. I, I would say only in in more recent years, more recent years maybe being the last 10 years, um, introduced by some yeah. in how to pray this way. And I, and I observed some praying in this way. Hmm. <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit dwelling within me, I don't I don't need to accomplish some heroic feat right to be able to earn the Holy Spirit's favor right mm-hmm. this this advocate this paraclete uh this one who has been sent to me to be with me and dwell within me and lead me and guide me and protect me that God has already manifested within me in such ways and it's to it's to turn within so that the spirit can be unleashed mm. My mind's going in a couple of different places there. Uh, first, I, I guess I would say, no, I, I I was always, as a younger man, there was some um, some reluctance or some hesitancy or just maybe it was just it obviously was simply misunderstanding about, uh, you know, praying specifically to the person of the spirit. Because, uh, you know, as an undergraduate, um, I, I came to know a number of very charismatic Protestants um, who were very enthusiastic about the Holy Spirit, um, you know, to their credit, 
but there was some obviously pretty dubious theology mm-hmm. um, in how they spoke about the spirit and the manifestations of the spirit. So I was, I was, I, there was a little bit of a gunshot, there's sort of a gunshy attitude on my part. Dubious in terms of an emotionalism. Yeah. An emotionalism. Um, yeah. I think that's the best way to put okay. it. Okay. Um, in which case, an emotionalism that seemed to be self generated. That's right. Okay. Sort of, um, yeah, sort of an ostentatiousness uh, to like, you know, make yourself appear more holy and more virtuous than perhaps you are. And if you were holy, you had the similar feelings. But that's if right. you weren't holy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if you don't have those feelings, then obviously the spirit's not working. You. Yeah, well, that's not exactly the case. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it took it took some real study in Trinitarian theology for me to um, to dispel those those biases and those prejudices. Mm. Um, which, you know, was, was a, a boon for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's, that's why it, we, we have spent a lot of time talking about the Trinity in the past and, and, and rightly so it's not just technical complex stuff. It's, it's there to help us, um, steer clear of heresy. Yes. You know, it's, it's there for our benefit yes. in our prayer life and our contemplation. Um, it's, it's supposed to be a help, not just this superfluous thing, but yes. Friends, he's Rick. I'm Father Dave. We're lovers of the Spirit. (laughs) And we invite you to come to know the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, and to be not afraid, to be not afraid to invite the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you and within you and around you to receive his power so that you and we together may live as his witnesses in the world. We're casting the net. Friends, He's Rick, and I'm Father Dave, a dad and a priest, together trying to become better fathers by catching Christian faith. Thanks for joining us for our conversation, and we hope that you'll connect with us next week for Casting the Net.